right. Welcome to the studio corner, Charlie. Thank you. Good to have you here. This is the first time. I'm excited. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to uh, talk about music stuff. I'm excited to pick your brain finally. You know, I was uh, I was thinking about the podcast. I came up with the idea. And of course, all the research involved and whatnot. And I thought to myself, the best part about this is going to be the fact that I know so many different musicians, but now there's a platform for me to just pick your brains. Mm-hmm. You know, and it got me thinking even more about being a musician and the two different lives we lived. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm young. I'll be 25 in like two months. Mm-hmm. So I only have that much experience as a musician. But growing up, and even till now, you know, you have your normal life with your family and your friends, and you have those relationships, and then you're a musician, and you have the musician world. And you meet musicians over time and uh, different types of musicians and whatnot, but for me, it's been incredibly difficult to maintain like the close friendships that I have with like my, my close friends. Mm-hmm. Like none of them are actually musicians. Mm-hmm. And that kind of sucks. Like it's it's a... It's hard because musicians are, we're always going after something. We're always trying super hard to get somewhere. And I've had such a hard time, you know, developing more intimate relationships. It's always like, what are you playing? What band are you in? Or what you're working on? This mm-hmm. and that, which is great as it should be. Mm-hmm. But there's a sense of community that kind of seems to be missing. And I got really excited because, you know, this is, this is why I'm doing it. You know, I want to build a sense of community and you guys are forced to tell me things because you're in front of a microphone now. <laughs> so I went on multiple levels. Um, but no, it got me thinking because, you know, I was born in America and I grew up in America and I had very supportive parents. I was exposed to a lot of music and, you know, I was, you know, allowed to dream big. And, you know, you've been my mentor, my teacher, my friend for fuck how long? In like these years. Well, I know you since you were 10. Yeah. So what? Almost 15 years. 15 years. And, you know, you've had such a different experience. And you came over from Taiwan at 13? Yeah. I was born in Taiwan and I came over 1997 and I was 13. So you came, but you, all your family was in in, uh, Taiwan. Yeah. Well, my family was in Taiwan. So my, my brother came with me and then we stayed with my aunt. Uh, and my cousin, they came here like six months earlier before we did. So they already have like apartments. So we came over and, and stayed with them. And my aunt took care of us for a while. Yeah. So you came over and you started school pretty much. Yeah, that was kind of interesting because I didn't speak English. It was like I knew how to say thank you and, and uh, good morning, good night. And that's it, you know, yeah. in Taiwan. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, and the school was completely different formats. Um, so that was quite an experience. Um, but yeah, that's 1997. So that's crazy to me. And because, you know, I, you know, thinking about it to be your age, 13 at the time, and to be starting school in America, not speaking the language. I mean, what did you have other than obviously your family that was here? Yeah. Um, schoolwork. Yeah. And music. I'm, you started music at the you same know, age. Um, I had, I mean, I was, my parents um, really thanked my parents because, like, when I was in, what, third grade or fourth grade in Taiwan, um, they put me in, like, this children's choir. Um, and it's outside of school. 
so growing up I always had uh, music I was seeing like you know in English seeing German seeing in yeah. different languages I didn't know what they mean but and then trying to read notes I didn't really get proper training because you were a kid you, know, you just follow the you know the lines and follow other people singing yeah and seeing the group uh, but it was a lot of fun and I had I was exposed to so you know so much different type of music I mean we, we even went on you know choir festivals and in the Philippines and, and in the US and then Europe Eastern Europe I mean I was like 10 Jesus and I was like now I'm thinking back like that was that's incredible <laughs> so um, when did you start getting into guitar yeah so so after I moved here um, I remember watching TV MTV or something. This is the nineties. MTV nice. was still cool. Nice. Um, they have like concerts and stuff. You know, they have their show like like Green Day concerts or or uh, well, when, like One Eight Two or something. I think it's Green. It was Green Day, and I was like, and you know, you see them playing in front of all these people. I was like, oh man, that would be kind of cool to do. <laughs> you know, um, be like playing in front of all these people and just and so I was like, oh, I want to kind of learn guitar. And I already had a, like a little keyboard piano, like a Yamaha keyboard. I was messing around with the MIDI and stuff already. Um, and I was using... Uh, the cake, original MIDI. I was using Cakewalk, which still exists today. Um, I haven't even heard of that. Cakewalk. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> and I was discovering MIDI. Uh, this is before guitar stuff. And then I was like... And, I, and then I saw the, the, the concert and I was like, oh, I want to play guitar. And then I got an acoustic, like a Yamaha... No, it was a Fender. Like a Classic. Fender DG10 or something like that. It was like one of those like 100 bucks, you know. Yeah. Fender acoustic. So I got it, um, and that's when I started. Didn't take lessons or anything. I was just playing playing around with it and trying to figure out the notes, the tuning, and how it matches with the keyboard. And I was like doing kind of trial and error, trying to figure out what the guitar is about. And so then, this was when you were in America. This is yeah. This is like when I was seventh. Uh, I started second half of seventh grade. So this will. This is I think it's like eighth grade. Okay. Yeah. Eighth grade, um, and then I have friends I already played, and these. <laughs> so you met these friends at school. So. At school, yeah. They were um, they were like punk rockers. You know, they were like um, they were like. I, um, they listen to Misfits and uh, Dead Kennedys or like yeah all these like nice very you know I've rebellious I'm like, into it yeah hell yeah yeah, yeah anarchy stuff like could use yeah. a little bit more of that yeah so that's I mean I grew up listening I mean here like listening to the Misfits you know old school punk so you were lucky enough yeah, to have I, have kids in school that were musicians yeah, and were interested know, in working with you it's funny yeah it's funny because like I guess the the punks or like the rejects of the society or whatever you yeah know, they're like more open to it's funny how that foreigners, works like outside people that coming in because so, i mean i'm in you know a little town in, in in southern california like it's all white people here <laughs> like, yeah i'm like the few like in in the school i think it was me and my brother and then maybe two other asian kids that's it wow oh, the whole school wow yeah now it's different though but but back then it was like we're like the you know we're like the rare you know some people see that as like like 
they're you know kind of off-putting like oh don't want to talk to you but some people uh, i met a lot of good people that were like oh they're really interested in where i was from and like what i was about and so you so when you were younger you basically you didn't have the difficulty of separating that i mean your friends were the musicians and that was you know the majority of it i mean you spend most of your time uh in a musical world or you know when you guys hung out did you work on music or was yeah. it was it difficult to balance those things did you have friends outside of that no i think my no it's the funny thing you ask because like i think music brought my friends together but you know like i love that yeah right it's, Fuck it's, yeah. it's people say music bring bring people together which it totally does because it's a universal language <laughs> see, I think. See, I think that's incredible because I mean, my experience was totally different. You know, I, I, uh, being that age, at least I knew one other person that was a guitar player, and we became really good friends. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that. you remember him, and uh, but other, other than that, I mean, I never talked about music. I never, you know, hung out around music unless it was on my own time by myself or with the one friend that I had. And you know, growing up, especially going through high school. You know, that's when you're supposed to start your bands or mess around and fuck around with ideas and stuff. I never really did that. I did everything on my own. Mm -hmm. And I found both lives separating. And even today, like, I have my very close friends, but none of our musicians. They come over and hang out at the studio, but it's not like I'm jamming with them. Mm -hmm. So for you, what you're saying is coming here at that age, music brought your friend group together. Now, yeah. when you hit high school, did that stay? Was it, like, always musical friends? Yeah, it stayed. I mean, um, I, it didn't. I didn't purposely trying to make it that way you yeah know? it's weird it's just how it came about i mean high school um we had guitar class there was a guitar class nice i mean it was like i already knew how to play but um, they, they wouldn't let me take the guitar class <laughs> that's you your like, fault too good <laughs> well, you started teaching me too early man i literally i signed up for advanced guitar and like, the principal no. pulled me aside and said hi we can't let you <laughs> We can't let you do this. It's not gonna. We're not gonna give you that credit. I'm like, are you kidding me? There's kids in our class doing pottery work it's because easy for you. ditching half the time, and I can't play guitar. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, lucky you, man. Yeah, we had. Yeah, it's funny because like we had. Yeah, we had guitar class. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, I still learned stuff. I wasn't that good. I mean, it was. By the end, we were learning like, the we were learning Beatles stuff at the end, which like bar chords and stuff it was actually kind of hard for me because bar I didn't chords know bar are fucking chords. hard man I didn't that know shit bar hurts chords, you know? <laughs> um and um yeah i mean then i met yeah i met friends that were looking for bandmates you know guitar players so then i joined joined my uh with uh um two of my friends still friends now really good friends um and um, yeah, and that started a whole nother, you know, rock and roll band life, you know, like playing shows every weekend and packing up your gear, practicing in the garage. Oh God, we all know that struggle. All that <laughs> stuff, you know, it's like, I think, yeah, every, almost every musician go through that. Either, you're either in like orchestra, you know, or choir, right? I actually did choir in high school too. But I didn't play. I didn't play an orchestral instrument. So, because guitar, they, they don't do guitar in, in orchestras. So, um, so unless you're in Bay Malmsteen, but yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah, either you're in, in, in orchestra, or in choir, or like you're on your own like garage band, you know, trying to make it big, you know. 
Um, well, back then, that was like, that's what it was all about. I feel like today, I mean, having a garage band is almost like no one cares. It's, it's your laptop. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, and see, but that's, that's, that's your garage band. <laughs> you know, maybe that's, that's, what, that's what the difference was between, you know, our generations was, you know, when I grew up, you know, no one, not no one, but not, it was hard to find people interested in dedicating to a band. You know, band became a hobby became oh yeah i can make it if it's possible or and then you meet musicians your age that obviously weren't good enough because you know that was their hobby and they didn't care so much about it you know there wasn't that there wasn't that scene that came with it yeah you know and yeah we definitely had there was like a huge scene of like we want to rock rock (laughs) yeah punk rock and playing shows and like we had yeah there were like like there were local bands that we played together and like we became friends and and oftentimes, like one band will break up, and then that bass player will come to play our band, or like you yeah. switch band members because you know each other, you know, from playing shows. Uh, we'll play like we'll open up for for big bigger bands like Yellow Card. Oh wow! Know, we opened up. For, oh like, shit! On Written Law, we opened up for for uh, what was the Henry name Rollins. Of, what was the name of your band? Straightforward. Straightforward. Is that the one with uh, Doug? Yeah. Okay, Doug right on. And, yeah, that was, uh, I was like, what? We've, I think we were together for like five years. Shit. Five years. Good for you. My life it was, was dedicated to the band. Um, so, so in that time outside the band, was it just schoolwork? Yeah. Schoolwork and, and work. And I work at an instrument store. Instrumental Music Thousand Oaks. Damn, so you, you were surrounded by music. Yeah, I was. I'm, yeah. I almost, I almost envy you. You know, <laughs> you know, it's uh, that's how. I mean, it's like kind of. I didn't purposely do it. I think it was just I was attracted to it. You know, I was like, it like, made sense. I was like, oh, hey, I need, I need to, I need a job. I need to make money. I mean, that wasn't my first job. You know, my first job was at a Mexican restaurant being a host. Really? Yeah, that was that sucked <laughs> real bad. I mean, it was like deal with talking about angry people that will that are hungry. No oh god, hangry, hangry people. So horrible. So definitely after that job, like food industry, mm-mm, no, not me. <laughs> um, and then so I was like, okay, I like music. I want, I like guitars. Where are guitars? You go to the instrument store. You know, they were not guitar center here. Guitar center was only in like Hollywood back then. Oh wow. Yeah. Was, yeah. So it was like four. The only, yeah, the only <laughs> instrument sto- music store was like instrumental music you know thousand oaks and then i went in there and then applied for it you know and um and then i worked there for like three years three years of learning about gears and learning about guitars why is this one more expensive than the other one and yeah yeah why are they all expensive you know (laughs) why is every single thing i want cost way more than i can afford (laughs) why is my check paycheck goal back into yeah, paying, paying to skiers. They get you. Come but it was good. I learned a lot, man. I learned a lot. I mean, like it was, uh, it was a, a part of my my life. That like, if I didn't know something, when the customer asked, like I researched, I went online and like looked up all the information I could find, and and that's how I know so much about gear and setting up stuff, and and which in turn now really helps me. Uh, to send out my own own gear and, and yeah, finding new stuff. Well, especially, I mean, you're scoring stuff now, so like, I mean, that involves just that much more knowledge. Yeah, it's if not just recording a guitar; it's recording entire orchestras it, and 
Yeah. <laughs> if I didn't have the knowledge I had working at the instrument store, like I would probably struggle uh, right now, like trying to learn about gear and trying to learn how to compose and like that would just be t- you know ten times as hard. I think. See that aspect. I mean, growing up and having you in my life, that aspect has always amazed me about you. Is your ability to learn, or at least the craving and the want, and the drive to constantly research and figure things out. And uh, you know, I've been your student for a long time. Yes. And uh, I know you've gone to music school, different types of music school. I mean, you've been you've been a student of music, a music student your entire life, basically. Still and a student. <laughs> always, yeah, always, an, always a student of music, and you know, it's. There's, there's so many bumps along the road of being a musician, especially mm-hmm. in learning things. And I feel like any time I ever had a struggle of understanding or learning, I would contact you in one way or another mm-hmm. and get your advice. And uh, I think that's such an important part of being a musician is knowing and never forgetting that you are a student. No matter how big, no matter yes. how famous, no matter rich, no matter how good you get, you're a student. And uh, I mean, the insight on that is endless. I mean, for if not that you can sum it up in one sentence, but if you could sum up the best you could, what does it mean to you to be a student of music? What does that entail? What 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 does that really, really represent? Um, a student of music. I think it's um, it's, there's there's many different aspects of it. It's almost like it's a lifestyle. You know, it's a. Uh, um, it's a constant knowing it's, it's there's always this notion of for me I mean at least uh, personally like there's always more to learn with music I guess in life general but music wise like yes you master this one scale like for okay for example guitar like okay you master pentatonic scale but there's also other scales mixolydian there's you know there's all yeah. these other scales and once you master that, wait, there's melodic minor, there's this other stuff. Wait, once you master that, wait, there's also Eastern music that has quarter tone scales and stuff. And you want to get into that, you know, like, so it's like endless, you know, depending it's just which rabbit hole you want to jump into. And then once you jump into that one, you can jump into another one, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, it's almost like your life companion. <laughs> like you can always find something to learn about. Um, so being a student of music, I think, is never being bored. <laughs> never letting yourself get bored. Maybe. Yeah, you will well, never be bored. I mean, because it's especially in you know today's day, you know day and age, you can access everything. Yeah, you can learn everything, yeah. and you can take the time. But I mean, it's literally a matter of sitting down and think, you know, you know, having that ass power, sitting down and learning Get into it. it. Yeah. but you know that's easier said than done i mean obviously not for you you're, you're like a mastermind uh, i still you still gotta you know like it's a discipline thing you're like, okay, well yeah you from, really want to learn something you know but i'd say compared to me you definitely have much more discipline in that aspect <laughs> but i mean because you you talk i mean you how long you've been teaching guitar so i was more, definitely more than 15 years because i've taught you yeah so so you've been teaching 15 guitar years for, at least yeah yeah at least 15 years and you've been going to school for music so i mean your perspective is 
as great as it's going to get, you know, <laughs> to teach that as many students as you do till this day yeah. while also going to school to learn, you know, the deepest and real in, really intense, I mean, shit, composing and scoring really yeah. intense parts of music. Yeah. And, you know, what's, uh, do you, th- do you find a difference in mentality when you're sitting down and learning something as opposed to sitting down and teaching someone? Mm, yeah, it's different. I mean, when you teach someone, you really have to formulate in a way that the student understands. So you have to break it down a lot, you know. Um, something that might be easy to me, uh, it won't be easy to somebody who's starting. And I have to like really rewind, you know, to go back to like when I was first learning it and put myself in the student's shoes and, um, and explain it that way, you know. Um, but what was the question again? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I mean, I'm just, I'm just curious because, I mean, you, you have to teach students every day or however often you do. And, yeah. you know, different students have earned different curriculums and different levels of guitar. Right. And so, you know, you could be starting with someone new and you're literally learning the most basic thing that you learned years ago. Meanwhile, later that day, you could be going to class, which is like composing 101 or, you know, yeah. some crazy in-depth, you know, concept. Yeah. You know, that, that mind switch to be able to sit there and teach something simple to you or even yeah. advanced, you know, to, to teach it to a student yeah. and then to switch your brain into, all right, I'm going to learn. I mean, does that learning brain turn on only when you're in class or is that still a driving force when you're teaching someone? Oh, I mean, okay. You... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still, yeah. Every time I get a new student, it's a learning process. Why? Because I have to learn how the student learns. Everybody learns differently. Do you think that's helped your ability as a guitar player, even in the simple concepts like reapplying things and understanding things more with the repetitiveness of having to teach simple concepts? Um, maybe, maybe. I never thought of it that way, but yeah, maybe. Maybe it's related somehow. Um, but with, yeah, with different students, you have to do, use different methods even though you're teaching the same material. Yeah. It's not like, because yeah, I do, yeah, because I do one-on-one lessons, so I have that freedom to you know explore different methods of teaching you know the student uh, I mean you see classroom would be different you know but um, but I think th- do I have to switch mindset when I learn I mean it's yeah, yeah I don't know when I teach I'm still learning I'm learning how to teach <laughs> you know it's so weird. so but I mean, yeah so it's basically you're constantly in that state of you know, no matter how simple or complex it is, like that mind, to be a musician, to be to constantly grow as a musician, no matter what you're doing, even if you're teaching a four-year-old how to hold a guitar or yeah. in like a super intense class, like you yeah. have to have the same mindset. Yeah. And that's and that's that seems to be the only way to grow or even succeed yeah. as a musician. Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's, yeah, definitely. I think you're right because you're, I'm constantly learning every day. You know, every every week I teach lessons and learning something and when I compose I'm trying to explore you know new ways of doing stuff right now I'm really writing some trailer stuff and it's like there's so much trailer music out there and why does you know this track get used for this campaign and this movie and doesn't get used for this other movie um, and it's it's a whole nother realm too so I'm learning about that as well and 
I'm writing a string quartet for my wedding, and then it's like, oh man, that's, that's a whole nother, that's fucking that's badass, a whole nother beast. That is you know? badass, though. That's a whole nother beast, and I have to figure out like, ooh, okay, how you know, writing it no problem, like, but like, I gotta get the players to rehearse it and all that stuff. Like, how you know, I I gotta figure that out. Um, so that's another beast. And I'm writing music for this documentary, and you know the director's like you know this is their season like we really want something a little different yeah okay so yeah you know totally after new. like 10 episodes of music i mean it's like how many hours of music i've written for the show and now they want something a little different so i was like okay now i gotta rediscover i gotta learn what new things they want you know um there was the album so that's an, so i'm constantly like in that state of learning for sure well, see, so that's that's a crazy concept to me, and I mean, I'm a I'm a musician myself. I'm a songwriter myself, and record as much as I can, you know, chasing that same dream or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a crazy concept, especially in in your line of work with you know trailers or composing and scoring. There's so much out there. There is. I mean, it's just it's endless. Yeah. And to sit down and you know, anybody that's been in a studio for any project knows what it takes. Knows, knows how how much little nuances count and it's a lot of work for mm-hmm. a possible nothing yes a very high possibility of nothing yes and in that process you do have to stop and research you do have to stop and learn something new you have to figure out how to do this one thing that that person needs or you know how are you going to master your tracks who's going to master who's going to edit all this stuff and i feel like from personal experience and from just watching other musicians and all different walks of life um that's where it becomes difficult. That's where the motivation that, you know, you talked about the discipline, being able to sit down and, you know, go learn that stuff. Yes. You just lose that motivation because it's like, well, so what? Okay, so if I just, I have to learn this new thing to create a new piece of music, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. for a library or a world full of music, wh- what difference does that make? Why would I spend my time learning something new and doing that? Why don't I just do this as a hobby and just enjoy it? Like where, where, where does that, where's that line between those two things? Where does it become, you know, how, how, not even where, but how do you convince yourself that it's worth it? Like, how do you say it's, it's worth my time to sit down and do this possible nothing, if that makes sense? That totally makes sense. Right now I'm struggling with that a little bit. Um, but, you know, because it's like we're doing this, this trailer album and you have to, I mean, like, um a, a trailer album usually have like 12 to 20 tracks maybe you know Jesus. um but we're doing this i think this album is going to be bigger um and um and it's it's the same concept the the brief for the album is the same for all the tracks you're going to write so you have to like every time i start a new one it's a this has to be kind of new concept but still stays in within the whole album yeah brief like like a theme yes so that in itself is really challenging um and um but how do you like continue doing it you know because i might because like i might uh write something and then it doesn't fit the brief like okay now i gotta scratch and then start over which totally happened like today i was doing that today like oh, whatever man. i worked on in the morning when i listen after lunch i listened to him like this is this is different than the brief so i can't 
this is not going to get passed. This is not going to get approved. I got to edit it. I got to revision it, revise it. So I did. And by the end of the today, like, I think I have something that might work. <laughs> but then yeah. you don't know until you send it in to the library producer. And then he'll be like, change this and this and this, you know, or this track doesn't fit. So um, how do you keep motivated? Well, um, especially in that moment of like complete defeat. Yeah. Yeah. I think you have to just move on. You know, it's just more like you can you can write like a hundred songs and maybe 10% of them will be good. If you're lucky. If you're lucky. And then also each time you, here's, okay, here's what it is. Each time you work on something that doesn't get approved or doesn't go anywhere was, just counts as a practice. Counts as a, um, a, a step towards a track that will work, that will go somewhere. It's a back to the theme learning process. Yeah, it's a learning process. You know, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. You probably experience it as a songwriter. It's like every time you write a song, the next song and the next song, next song. like compared to like the first song you wrote to like the most recent song you wrote. There's growth. Yeah, yeah. There's growth. Where does that growth come from? Trial and error. I mean, constantly doing it. Yeah, from, constantly doing from it. From writing it, from like constantly doing it. Exactly. So that I think that's the secret of keeping motivated. If you're like, uh, if you have a, in the mindset of like, okay, well, I'm doing this and this might not go anywhere, but the process of doing this is going to accelerate me to the next level of writing or whatever you're doing, you know? See, that's a very practical approach, which, you know, I agree with completely. But I think where my mind or in where a lot of creative people in general struggle is, especially with music, a creative output like that, it's not just a physical energy. It's such a emotional and intimate you know, expression mm-hmm. that you know, and you can only give so much before you're exhausted and you find yourself sitting in a corner, you know, sad or you know, whatever, just down and giving up. Mm-hmm. And I feel like as you know, we can be tough and physically push through things but you know sitting down and working on a project all you know for weeks at a time only to find out that it's not good enough for whatever you're going for yeah. i mean you just you just exhausted yourself emotionally mm-hmm. you know creatively and you know on all the all those aspects outside of physical spiritually even you know you've given it your all and you know that's the most vulnerable intimate side of ourselves which you know is required for what we do and to to get to that point i mean it's like there's no I can't just go sit down and eat some food and have a you know glass of water to rejuvenate that. Mm-hmm. You know, physically if I'm tired I can take a break and regain my energy, but emotionally and spiritually like that, it's such an exhaustion. I mean, it's so hard to continue to think it's worth it and continue to keep pushing when you do go through those times. Mm-hmm. So, in your experience at least what in a sense rejuvenates that aspect of life is it walking away is it you know pushing to the point where you're numb is it being emotionally more tough and getting over yourself mm-hmm. i mean at what point do you do you realize that you have to look past the vulnerability and sensitive side of creating um that's a very yeah i think to what you're talking about is like kind of like reset you know how do you reset so you can start again exactly um a lot of times, like, 
feel like I'm drained creatively. And I heard, actually I heard this from a, a famous composer, um, one of my favorite film composers, Alex, Alexandra Despot, he's a great film composer. Um, he said he takes naps. That's it? Between writing sessions, he would like get to a point and then he would just take naps and then get back to it. You know, it's like, you have to have a sense. you have to have a certain <laughs> level of confidence though to stop what you're doing, take a nap, and wake up and go back at it though. I mean, because you you have to be confident enough about what you're doing to know that no matter how vulnerable or down you get, it's worth getting up and going after again. I don't know if confidence has to do with it. It's more just like, even if you're not confident of what you're doing, it's more of if you have the courage to try it. I like that courage because. If you're confident of what you're writing, then then I to get to a point of burning out, maybe not you're not gonna get burned out because you know what you're doing. Yeah, is you only get creative drain is when you don't know what works, when you're not confident, <laughs> when you're like, uh, am I is this gonna work? Like, and what's going on here? And, you know, when you start questioning yourself, and then you need to then that's that's when i also tell myself it's like okay i gotta step back and like get out of it because sometimes you like focus too much into whatever you're writing and then like you lose you lose yourself in it too much and then and then you need to reset kind of come come out of it as a third person view like okay re-listen to it again and like you know try to try to make sense out of it and go on to the next Stage, so it's, so. A, it's almost like a compassionate approach like accept that you're exhausted accept that yeah. you're having a hard time and if yeah. you can accept that that you're only human you're doing your best yeah. you can walk away and come back yeah that you, makes a lot of sense yeah, wow. i yeah, like that it's like no yeah, i don't think there's a point to, like beat yourself down like oh man i suck you know like I mean, it's what we I do, do actually i do do that i do it every day are you kidding too, you know like you can ask my my fiance she's like yeah no, you got she also is really supportive like you got this no, no, no. she always tells me so um so i mean that's that's another good point is to have like another uh, voice that supports you too that's really been a big help for me too but not, not everybody has that um well it's i mean it's it's scary you know even if you have you're surrounded by 100 people a day or no one it's scary to let anyone into that you know side of you especially oh, yeah. as a musician you I mean it's so you know we it's maybe not for everybody but i feel like at some point a musician understands that whatever their craft may be, whether it's guitar, drums, or composing, or MIDI, or whatever, whatever it is, mm-hmm. I mean, that's instead of them going and talking about their feelings, that's how they get it out, so they can survive. Almost, I mean, we have to. As you know, it's it's inside of us. We have to, mm-hmm. and to let someone into that is it's a it's scary. It's a very difficult yeah, thing. You know, I think not being in the scoring side of things, that's what every com- media composer does is like you do the project you you know spill your heart out on stuff and and first version usually you have to get revisions and and that's right there yeah and (laughs) exactly that's right there you know and then some some producers are nice some producers right and you know right off the bat like really blunt so it's like it's definitely not for everyone like if you don't have the stomach for it you know um, that's actually a really good point. I like I like that you said that because I feel like people are undermining what it takes to 
pursue music in any sort of career or uh, on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. It's not just this like happy go lucky express yourself art form. Like it's it's not for the people that can't <laughs> handle it. And I, I I don't give a shit. I'll fucking say it. Like, <laughs> don't be a bitch. Like be emotional, be sensitive, be vulnerable. That's how you dig deep and express that. But once it's expressed, you know, understand that the world of music, whether you're in the industry or sharing it with a friend, it's a brutal brutal motherfucker. Yeah. It will rip you a new one. And people that, you know, think that it's going to be just happy and enjoyable and there are those aspects, but if you don't have the stomach for it like you said, you know, step away because this is possibly the most ruthless thing that you'll experience. Yeah, it is. I mean, you talk know, about having like, your heart ripped out and shown to you. Yeah, I mean, I think any I mean, music industry or, you know, film music industry is is one of the most brutal industry you can get into and then i mean uh, besides like i think any other creative industry is also like that you know like yeah it's like you, you you put your work out and it's like it's that feeling of like when you record something you record a track or you produce a track you play it back for somebody that never heard it before and like that they just feeling, don't give a shit that feeling of you get that like heart pumping feeling like you get nervous yeah even though you're not performing you're just pressing play but so there's, there's this, that like, adrenaline that you know it's like ah uh, you know like yeah most important moment of your life for that chest, yeah like, uh, uh yeah exactly it feels like it's the most vulnerable. um then you get some feedback and then it's like okay yeah sometimes you can't sometimes you're like not ready for it you know you have to prepare yourself if you mind for it it's like it's a lot of yeah. It's it's a lot more than just like putting down notes. <laughs> well, see that's for that's, sure. That's that's the crazy part. Like you know, and I definitely think uh, musicians need to understand is you experience all the great parts early on, and those will always stay with you throughout a career. But the more you dive deeper into a musical life, the more shit comes your way, and it's basically you know, and I I like it that way. I'm glad it's that way because it really tests who can handle it. Because to be to, to to basically to write anything or to express anything says that what you're feeling and what you believe in is worthy of expressing and sharing it, mm-hmm. which you know is a good way to look at it. But if you're gonna be beaten down by every opinion, then it's not worthy. It's yours to yeah. keep to yourself. Go do something else. Yeah, you can't. I mean, I guess like opinions is is one thing. You can't let that get to your head, and then. I mean, besides like getting beat down, there is a huge. I mean, re- on the other side, there's a huge reward. Oh yeah. When something is working, you know, it's like, you know, uh, I think I did uh, work on a video game last year, and it's like I got to record, you know, live players and and live orchestras. And oh man. It's like hearing your music playing live by people, like by like seventy people, seventy people playing your music that's incredible and then yeah and then also the solo is like they compliment on your stuff you know it's like you know because you never know it's like when you write especially when you write for for solo players it's like oh is this gonna work because i don't play this instrument you know (laughs) yeah that's why that's a wild concept yeah okay hopefully it's gonna work but i guess we'll figure out in the session you know but you gotta have like 90 percent confidence that it's gonna work so (laughs) But again, that's the learning process. So you, it's like once you've done, done it once, and then it's like, oh, this instrument is playing like this. Okay, 
this note won't work. Okay, then you next time you know. Um, but to but for this this time I was like lucky like when I, what I wrote, the players were, you know, they were like, oh, this is really really good, really good, like really playable and stuff. I'm like, oh, great, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> it's a very it's a very nice validation. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a almost like all those you know stressful when, moments are worth it in that second. When you're validated by a musician who's yeah. pro enough to play like sight read stuff and like record it. You know, it's like that's pretty. That's a pretty great <laughs> that's feeling. That's a pretty great feeling. That's yeah. awesome. So those kind of stuff, those kind of stuff keeps me going. Too is like those victories. Like, yeah, those are those moments. Like okay, yeah, I can do this, and it gives you confidence, and then it's like okay, I can do this. I can, and I want more. Like I want to record an orchestra. You know, like this time recorded overseas, but it's like I'm watching a video. It's not a, it's a remote session, so it's not like I'm there. Uh, but it's almost like you hear it back, so that's cool. But I mean, like, there's still I, I want to be able to record, you know, like Abbey Road or like you know, or London Air Studio or like and go there to record. Now, you know, that's not that's like a dream, but it can happen, right? So that those things keep me going. So I mean, it's I guess it's it's also being open and really opening your eyes and appreciating those small victories because they could pass you by. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could. I mean, you set your dreams so big, which is good. I mean, I think it's good to really set your dreams and goals really high and, you know, think big, but also be practical in the sense of like, all right, to get there, I have to have these small goals and these small dreams. And it's, I, I find it so easy to look past those, like something as a simple validation, you know, you could be in the, in work mode and totally just skip that by and forget to appreciate all those awesome moments that reminded you like, Hey, this is working. Hey, this is awesome. Yeah. It may not be the giant goal that I'm dreaming of at yeah. least right now, but it's so easy to forget that. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, shit, even for me, <laughs> sitting down to record a guitar track you know i'm thinking about all right the whole album it's going to be awesome we got to do the production and all this stuff it's going to be this mm -hmm. but sitting down to record a guitar track spending you know eight hours finding a fucking right spot for the mic for mm -hmm. the guitar to sound good like that's a victory you find that good guitar sound you should feel freaking great i mean i've had moments where i've spent so many hours and i finally get that perfect guitar sound i have tape on the floor i don't move a muscle and i play my guitar track right there and that sound i mean no one else cares but for me that moment is like all right now i'm ready to move on to the next thing with everything i've got yeah you know it's, and it's and it's easy to, to miss those moments yeah you gotta have yeah you gotta have those those like little victory to yourselves to keep you keep you going really um, and then also like, I think if you're in if you're in music, if you're a musician or you're learning music, you're studying music, you want to be in the music industry. There is something to say about that where it's there's like this fire in you that connects you with the music part, you know. And yeah. It's it doesn't matter which aspect of it. Even if you're in like music business, music industry people, you know, like. Why are you doing it? Yeah, it's like why you know I know I I have college friends that are now music supervisors, wow. you know, which is like they they pick songs for shows, you know, for big shows. Damn, and, and you gotta be you gotta love music to do that, you know. It's like, uh, um, and th that has challenge in itself, you know. You gotta pick songs for shows. Like how many songs are there, you know? It's like, <laughs> you no, know, I've I've always thought about that. I'm like. 
these people have to have such a wide knowledge yeah. of what's out there yeah. to look at a scene or anything with with no music whatsoever to yeah. look at it and to imagine the emotion that will be brought by a random song and the infinite number of songs yeah and infinite number of songs infinite number of lyrics I mean, yeah I mean that's that's incredible lyrics you really huge. have to be passionate yeah, about that and music supervisors yeah I gotta have one true friend to really like talk about that because it's like a, it's crazy it's like a whole different art you know that's then, wild to me yeah, and then there's like there's like I have a friend who's who's A and R and like a music label, and that's you know finding new artists, try to get them, you know, promote them and stuff, and then that has something that also that's also another whole that's a art, you know. You know? Well, it's funny is like all these different aspects of the music industry, whatever part of it you're in, like you know whether you're the musician, the writer, the creative type, or you're not, or you're you know, on the outside, but still in the industry, like. It because it is so ruthless, and this is this is what I love about it, you know, and especially today without record sales, like all the all the things that made money are kind of gone. So like, if you're gonna step into it, if you're really gonna step into the industry, like you have to be fucking ruthless and passionate. Like you know it's gonna be tough, you know it's gonna be crazy, but to go out and promote someone, for example, you have to care. You can't not care because mm-hmm. people see that. I mean, we're, we know, I mean, we're exposed to everything now with social media and with the internet. So yeah. the, the benefit is that we know when someone's bullshitting. We know when it's fake. We can feel that for the most part, especially with the creative aspect. We know yeah. when someone's just trying to fluff up, fluff up something. So even a promoter, like, you can't just go out there and be like, oh, this band is great. Check them out. Like, you have to give a shit. <laughs> like, you have to wake up yeah. and say, I'm think... going to go promote this band because this. Yeah. Because this, you know. I think the technology really made everything more apparent, you know. I can't guess, hide. Yeah, I guess you could, <laughs> but if you just you, didn't do anything. But you can get you you can get exposed real easily, you know. Well, I mean, there's also the concept of being oversaturated, but in my opinion, like as much as it's oversaturated, I think because of that, you have to be the absolute best to succeed in whatever it is you're doing. Because yeah. to stand out, you have to be not only different, but you have to be the best. You can't people can't half-ass their way to the top anymore unless they have other people doing their best for them which is yeah. rare enough as it is. Yeah. So, I mean, musicians of every caliber all over the place, all over parts, of the, different parts of the industry, like, if you're going to stand out, you better be the freaking best. And not only that, you can't just be the artist anymore. You have to be your manager, your marketing expert. You have to be, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a blessing for musicians because now yeah, it's weeding out the weak. It's weeding out the people that don't have the stomach for it. Yeah. As it should. I mean, I don't know what it's like to go on tour, but I mean, watch any interview with a big rock star, someone that's been on tour, and they talk about how ruthless it is. Mm -hmm. Like, they figure it out, you know, 30, 40 years into the industry, but like, it's not an easy job. Mm -hmm. If you have a weak stomach, you can't do that. See, that that concept almost is applied to every part of the industry now. Mm -hmm. If you can't can't deal, you're out. That's true, yeah, because right now, if you like release a song and then you immediately feedback yeah there's 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 no doubt time yeah even if, if you like even if you i mean not just not just uh music industry even like any creative stuff even like like video games i watched the the um, um oh that's even more ruthless you know like in the in indie games you know like release a game and like oh people talk about the game and stuff. it's like you can read comments all day and like get yourself Go, go crazy just yeah. reading the comments you know so I guess and that's almost like a therapeutic suge- suggestion now like don't read don't comments read the, on yeah, anything like even if it. it doesn't involve you it's just negative yeah, yeah. like that's how bad it is yeah so anyhow I mean uh, 
Yeah, that's amazing. That's a lot, of, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of goods and bads, but I'm I'm pretty stoked for what comes with all the quote-unquote oversaturation because yeah. only a, few, a little bit will come out of it. But back to being a student of music, okay. which I really I like, the, I like that concept, especially in, in this realm of things because especially now you have to be a – it's not even a student of music anymore. Like you have to learn all the things, all the social media, all the marketing, all the managing, all the contracts, all the, you know, what to write, what not to write, what you can and can't say, you know, it's, there's so much to learn, um, while being vulnerable and sensitive and writing from your heart and Mm -hmm. believing what you're doing. Like it's, it's incredible. It's really, it's really a feat. You know, I, it, to see anyone succeeding, whether I like their music or not, whether I like what they're doing or not, to see anyone succeeding and still be passionate, that's that's a feat. That's a feat yeah, in itself for me. You have to respect that. That's, sure. I mean, just mad fucking respect. Yeah. But, um, so, growing up learning guitar, mostly with you pretty much. I mean, I've been playing for almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. About 15 years with that was with you. Mm-hmm. Um I definitely, I, I mean, I can comfortably say I developed a lot of bad habits. <laughs> like what? <laughs> well, just a lot of bad habits of not practicing and not oh. practicing what I was supposed to and this and that. But, I mean, that's just in the world of learning guitar. But, you know, even going to school like you were doing or even learning marketing and social media, all that is a learning process outside of music itself. It's just learning process. Yes. You're a teacher. You've been a student. If I could pick your brain and, you know, you gave me like three – pinnacle things like what's that like habits basically what what are three of the best things you could tell a student beginning that that's beginning that could apply to someone that's been doing it for 20 years like me um i would say you know um three things so i mean uh, you can, it doesn't have to be three things, yeah, but I'm trying to think like you can main concepts maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just be disciplined. You know, you have to, you know, you have to do the work. You know, it's like, yes, you like okay, you can see, you can see where your dream is, but it doesn't happen until you look at it. You know, so and then to look at it, you have to have. The discipline to sit down and do it um, and spend time on it. So that's like one thing is just, just, just do it. <laughs> time management. <laughs> Don't basically. make excuses. <laughs> well, it's crazy because um, there's there really is no shortcut to that. Like you, no, it's it's no. not like oh I can shorten the time. Like I have to sit down and spend that two hours running that freaking scale with a goddamn metronome. <laughs> uh, you gotta learn to love the metronome. Man. Oh man, yeah. that's the that's a. That's a love affair right there. I know my students don't like it, but haunts they me. learn to. I teach them to love it. It still haunts me. I teach them to love it. You know, it haunts you. Yeah, but you, you know it works. You know it works. That's how I, that's actually how I prepare to re- if I'm gonna record like a guitar track, the day before I'll sit down and run scales with a metronome. Yeah, because you get you know stuck in your head. You know. Yeah, yeah one of my friend drummer he, he listens to the metronome to sleep. Really? He told me, yeah. That might work, actually. That's pretty like, consistent. That's I like that. Insane. I, I can't do that. <laughs> I'm going to try that, actually. Because a consistent not. pattern is beep, beep, beep yeah, until but, you pass out. Uh, yeah, but then it's still going while you're sleeping. <laughs> you know, maybe so what, serial he, killers, concept, whatever, you know? <laughs> his concept is, yes, it's going to keep going while you're sleeping. So you're learning that particular BPM. Whatever. Oh, my God. 
Yeah. That's horrifying. I know. <laughs> I'm having nightmares while awake right now <laughs> thinking about that. So, yeah, that's not one of the tips. <laughs> Honestly, you know what? Screw it. Rule number one, metronome. That's it. I don't care what level you're at. Yes. Metronome, metronome is life. Metronome and timing. Everything after that we could talk about. That's true. I mean, yeah. Um, um, yeah, that's not, not what we're talking about. That is, yeah, definitely. Time, yeah, if you're a musician, it doesn't matter what music you're doing. Your music business may be different, but um, yeah, timing. You you gotta have that internal clock. If you don't have that, like, you can't tell what's on time or not. You know. Do you um, think it can be trained, or does it have to be start? Oh yeah, with, it can be it, trained. It has to start with a natural ability, a rhythm. Natural ability helps because you learn it faster. Okay. But um, it can be trained um, for sure. People who know me, I have students that have like absolutely no rhythm. It took a long time to train them. Yeah. But you can see the improvement. You know, they're not like that on yet, but you see improvement. You know, so it just takes time to train. Just, I still believe that, like, and also, so that's that's one. And then second is learn your ear training, musicianship. You know, know your interval jumps and know your chords and know your progressions because that's like the building blocks of things. Um, because that, I always think music is a language. And Absolutely. to learn the language, you, you got to know how to listen to the language. You know, yeah. it's like how, you know, the intervals are your alphabets, you know, the chords are your like words, you know, chord progressions are your sentences kind of thing. That's badass. I love that. Um, yeah, so I fucking love that. So you got you got to know those. That's why they train you in school for that because like and definitely helped me a lot singing as a child in, in choirs, sing hear harmonies and stuff, you know. Um, that helps a lot in producing and melodies, too. And melodies. Oh yeah. And everything, music. I mean, that's that's just that might be the like most important part of producing being able to hear those intervals being able to hear the harmonies and be yeah. able to hear what it's missing yeah you know being able to sing it in your head when it doesn't I mean, exist yeah i mean i had i was producing a track one time and then like the producer was there and then there's another producer that was there well one of the producers was like just paying you know for the session and that's his song but he has no music background the other guy is like some a friend of the the main guy that's paying for the session and he i guess he has music background whatever so they were asking oh would you change the harmony at this one part and or add a harmony to this so like immediately i have to be able to clunk that out and hear it and tell the singer what it is because the singer didn't have that training um, so like at that level of work in the industry here, to, just I mean that, that's, you have to be able to do it. It's right not away. even a question of like can you or can't or like you know have you learned it. It's just that's it's like you taking one foot in front of the other, like yeah. taking a step. So like, the funny thing is like that's once, required. Yeah, we were like I, me and that other guy was kind of talking about which note should be should God, be done, right? It's amazing. It was kind of almost an argument, and then I was like, well, we need like a keyboard to clunk this out real quick. Yeah. And uh, luckily there was a keyboard there, so I was just playing. It's like, okay, we'll do this and this and this. And then right after I did that and explained what it is, the other guy like didn't say anything anymore. Because I think he realized that he didn't have enough you know, ear training knowledge to like See, do that's... the part that he was, you know, the other guy was saying. 
I so. feel like I, that's something that's lost, though. I mean, I I did um when I was I think what sixteen, seventeen years old. I went down to Universal Records, and I remember I don't, I don't even remember I was going down or like eight o'clock at night working to four in the morning with like some of the songwriters they had down there. Mm-hmm. It was like friend of a friend met a gig, you know, yeah, yeah. it wasn't even paid. It was like a quote unquote opportunity. Mm-hmm. But I, I was working with them. We were writing a lot of songs at the time. And I think it was like every night we wrote a song, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of those things, I mean, obviously my ear isn't as good as yours, but I have the guitar and I understand the concepts of like, you know, harmonies and thirds and fifths and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was something that, the guy I was writing with, this, he was a singer of all things. The guy I was writing with, he didn't really grasp that. Sure enough, the engineer knew exactly what I was talking mm. about. And that was such a great example of, you know, it's, it's very lost. Because this guy is paid by Universal Records to write songs for small stars, big stars, whatever yeah. they are. And he has no, and he does, doesn't grasp the concept of harmonies, let alone be able to do them. Meanwhile, the engineer who's just sitting behind a board eating Chinese food <laughs> is, you know, understands completely what I'm saying. You know, and it, I feel like it's such a lost art form, but with that skill, like you said, in that moment, the guy stopped talking. You know, in that situation, technically, you were the work for hire. They were the like big shots, you know. Yeah. You know, they're the producers. But in that moment, that simple knowledge, which really should be basic knowledge, yeah. is just wins. I mean, that that's, you have to have that, you know, that, that sense of ear training yeah. and harmony. I mean, that's incredible. That's It's yeah, so lost. It's, uh, to going back to, like, uh, the music's and language, it's like that's how you communicate. Like, you know, uh, a lot of people think that, I mean, I used to think like, oh, you know, you should take lessons or you like learn too much about music. You're going to lose your inspiration. Like, nah, fuck that. You lose that. You know, like that's what I used to think. And I, once I took lessons and went to school and learned all this stuff and then you learn all these like rules about music and, and it's then, freedom. You, then you know like what works and then you're free to explore beyond that. <laughs> well, see, that's that. It's it's funny you say that because you know, growing up, I started guitar when I was five years old. I started with you, not not too far after yeah, that, yeah, yeah. and you were very intense with teaching me things, and I absorbed you know as much as I could. Yeah. But I learned a lot of stuff that kids my age weren't learning at the time. They were learning cover songs. Till this day, I don't think I've ever learned a full. I can't. I couldn't play you a cover song. <laughs> I've been playing guitar for twenty fucking years, and I could not play you a cover song. At least all the way through right now, <laughs> not gonna happen. You yeah. couldn't do it. But, I mean, we learned so many of the scales and all the, you know, theory, you know, and all that stuff. And I would, from time to time, jam with other guitar players my age or even older than me. And I found myself bored because they were playing cover song after cover song after cover song. And I remember I uh, think it was, like, my sister's boyfriend or at the time or someone. I think it was my sister's boyfriend at the time. We were, we had met for the first time and he was a guitar player. Mm -hmm. And we sat in the library of the house and we played... And he just kept playing these folk songs, and he sounded like shit. But I was like, let's jam. And it just wasn't possible. And he made a comment about, I don't like to take lessons. I never did because I don't, I don't want to like take away from like my inspiration or my like creative process. And I realized in that moment, I was like, That's, that doesn't make any sense. I was like, it really opens up the gates to complete freedom. Mm-hmm. To, I mean, it's like anything else. It's not, I mean, yeah, in the beginning, you're learning scales. You have to think about the scales. You have to think about, you know, one, two, three, all the way to seven. Mm-hmm. You know, are you major? Are you minor? What key are you in? You have to think about all That's that shit. Stuff, yeah. yeah, and it's it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you keep practicing, all of a sudden it becomes just natural knowledge, like yeah. speaking a language. Exactly. Like exactly like speaking a language. Then I just use words to express how I'm feeling. The yeah. more words I know, the more I can freely express how exactly. I feel. 
And I realized then I was like, man, people that think, you know, not taking lessons is good for their, you know, just their skills. I mean, that doesn't make any sense to have complete fucking freedom. Imagine if you could wake up tomorrow and you knew everything there ever was to know on the guitar. Mm -hmm. You would never stop playing. Yeah. If you could speak 15 different languages, exactly. you would never stop speaking to people. Travel the world. I mean, it's I mean, it's complete freedom. It's like that sacrifice to sit down until your fingers ble- you know, bleed, which, you know, it has. I, I, my fingers have bled multiple times. It pisses me off. That never happened to me, though. Well, I started when I was five. I didn't have very thick fingers, right? They were little baby fingers. But, um, I mean, it's, it's complete freedom. Like, to have someone come over and just someone you've never met plug in. And just start jamming and just go off improvise. I mean, that right there is the ultimate skill. If yeah. you can't sit down and jam with someone, you know, at, at at some level, if you can't jam and just be free like that, then you have to sit back and reevaluate what you're doing. <laughs> I, I, I stand by that 100%. And yeah. that, that, I mean, think about it. All the lessons we had, you would teach me a scale or whatever you taught me, and what do we do right after we learned it? We jam on it. Play, yeah. We use it. Yeah, he's like, here's the natural minor hike. I'm going to play an A minor the progression, use the scale. Yeah. And boom, there you go. Now I can jam. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, shit, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Very passionate subject for me. <laughs> so what do we have? We have, we have a timing. We have timing. Uh, and your, ear. Your ear hearing. Um, and then. Those are like fucking pillars right there. Be, yeah, be humble. Once you know your stuff, you still gotta you gotta know there's more to learn always. So you know you, you basically watch your ego. You know, like it's hard. To, that, that's one thing I haven't really learned how to teach is how do you teach young kids about <laughs> ego? Like that's such a we such a adult concept. Or I mean, teenager might be able to understand it. But maybe not. Maybe too many hormones. Exactly. Like they're not gonna listen to you. They already have too much ego, or they don't even know they have it. Um, it's it's a dangerous thing because I've had students that were like getting really good, um, but they become like it's kind of like you join the dark side, you know? <laughs> like they become like, oh yeah, I know everything, you know, kind of thing. Like, but they don't, you know. It's like and it, it's weird. I haven't like figured that out yet, but. See, that's that's where I consider myself just so fucking lucky because we became friends as I got older. Yeah. And having you in my life has been a constant reminder of hide, calm down. <laughs> you don't know that much. You're not that good. Like, I mean, there's also the opposite side. Don't beat yourself up. Appreciate what you can do and respect yourself and say, yeah, hey, yes. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't but beat there's, yourself. Yeah. I don't, you know, I never... I, I mean, now I, I never pick up a guitar and say, you know what, fucking watch this. I'm the best thing. <laughs> I never do that anymore. Because you yeah. know how many times I've, you know, especially as a teenager, but I picked it up and just was, been had my shit thrown back yeah. at me. I was like, you know, I think also, I think maybe it has to do with also, you know, how, how you're brought up. Like maybe there is something there. But, um, I mean, I have, I have a student that, you know, he, he's, uh, what, 10? And, like, he's getting it's only like his early lessons and he's getting better he can play some stuff now yeah but you can you can see that like that fire is lit but like yes i want to learn more stuff and also yeah i'm oh yeah i got this yeah 
Kind of Which is almost good on a certain level at that age because it's like they're young and like, okay, they believe in themselves. They're yes. confident. Yes. But it's like, will that transfer over more into when, as you get older? Yeah, like when do you tame that? And let that well, you, you, know, know? you know what solves that? <laughs> go to a jazz club. Go sit down. Go to a jazz club. Bring your shit. Oh bring your God. guitar. Bring whatever you Bring your drumsticks. Go sit down and, and try to play with that. Dude, I cannot figure that shit out still. <laughs> I can play all your jazz chords. I can write a beautiful song with all the jazz chords, but you put me on a stage with those fucking jazz cats that say, hey, this key, here's 18 fucking chords you've never heard of. I'll cry myself to sleep that night. I'll never pick up a guitar again. That's that's the jazz is a life learning. Like, oh, yeah, man. It never ends. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it's a... Uh, that's another thing, exposure. You know, if, if, I, if I were to add on to the things about always you know being a student of music is exposure don't social ever social. hide yourself away from what's out there the new things yeah constantly you know social media is great for that you know many times i've wrote written a song or played a great riff or had a jam session i'm like fuck yeah that was awesome i killed that solo or i killed that song open up my instagram and there's a fucking 12 year old chinese girl <laughs> playing everything i did times a hundred oh yeah and i'm like all right well fuck this i'm done you know like i and that and that's at first it beat me up it really like i was like yeah. man like who am i i'm not gonna be important i'm never gonna make it but it, and then as time went on you know it's about standing by your craft and standing by what you believe in it's important but it's it's just so crucial to be exposed you know lucky enough we live in you know what an hour from la not even mm -hmm. i go to the baked potato all the time mm -hmm. that place has the greatest players in the oh, world yeah. i go there all the time and every time I leave that place and I'm like, I just think to myself, yes, I'm so happy I went there because those guys could run circles around me as mm -hmm. a musician. Oh, yeah. But they can never do what I do when I pick up a guitar because it's what I do. It's different, yeah. Every single person that picks up an instrument that you know is creative needs to respect that what they do is theirs. But at the same time, don't ever think it's the greatest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. Let the world decide that. You know? Yeah. And yeah. I mean, it's just exposure. Go see shows. Go watch different genre, uh, d different genres of shows. Yeah. Listen to everything, you know. And even the the ten year old, like you said, ten year old learning a new scale, that ten year old learning a new scale could say something that could be just as important as the eighty year old that's been playing jazz riffs his entire fucking mm -hmm. life, you know. That it's just it's so important to stay open and never, never just push us, you know, kind of put aside someone because they're not as good as you. Mm, yeah. I agree. That's yeah. such a dangerous thing to do. Yeah. You know, what, what's that famous thing? I'd rather be a slave among kings than a king among slaves. Mm -hmm. A little dramatic, but you get yeah, the gist yeah. of it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you remember I gave you that book, Zen Guitar. Oh, I love that book. It talks about ego in there yeah. and, uh, and creativity and stuff. That book is great. It's I love that book. Definitely highly recommend. Zen I Guitar. Wanna, I want to reread. That book kind of, yeah, opened my mind on a lot of things. Um, I remember reading it after I finished Musician Institute. Am I? The months, famous Am I? A couple months after that. And it was actually recommended by um, one of the teachers. I forgot who, but that's why I picked up the book. Yeah, well, My teacher gave it to me. Yeah, I think you actually gave me the book. I gave you the book. I have your book. I it's in the, that bookshelf right there. Yeah, I wrote stuff on there. I think. <laughs> I'll have to look through it again. I haven't yeah, read it in a while. Yeah. Anyhow, so yeah, that's the three things I think. I love that. So what do we got? We got timing, ear, and staying humble. Mm -hmm. Damn, I'm gonna like write those in big letters and just paste them on my wall in here. 
there's like, see, I got my poster of Jimmy Page, Jimi Hendrix, and Metallica thing, and then right next to that is going to be Charlie's Three Rules. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm speaking of ego, I don't want to, you know, bust, you know, make your ego too big or anything like no. that. But I mean, for me, growing up, whatever project I embarked on, whatever new thing I was trying to learn, mm -hmm. I always think to myself how would Charlie handle this? What would Charlie do? And I contact you most of the time and ask you, but yeah. you know, I think to myself all the time cause you know, there's a discipline factor and just a, a humble truth behind it all. And it's like this, there's this, there's a compassion. It's not about making things big and extravagant and ripping things apart or making a bunch of noise, but there's a method to this deep, intense passion <laughs> that if you can, if you can hone it in the way you have, you can really make a difference. Yeah. Whether it's in your life, one person's life, or the entire world. Yeah. Like, it's literally endless. It's untouchable. Yeah. You know, music is one of those untouchable things. It's a physical vibration we can't figure out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's you, uh, you've definitely been a huge impact of it. And I'm more than happy and more than grateful to have had you to be the first one oh, thank you. on uh, this podcast. Yeah. And I'm sure anybody listening is learning a fuck ton. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Not everyone's as lucky as me. They didn't get to have you for this long, you know, learning a ton and uh, shit. I mean, you better come back on here. I got yeah, more, this I got is more, really fun. I, I got more things to talk to you yeah, about. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely. I mean, this this is definitely more things. It's endless topics we can talk about with music, man. Hell yeah. Yeah, so definitely come back. Well, thank you again, Charlie. Ooh, this was the studio it. corner with Charlie Lynn, <laughs> the man himself. <laughs> Gotta be humble. Gotta be humble. <laughs> this is the humble studio humble corner. Studio. There we go. Humble. <laughs> Should studio. we change the name? Should we? Do we call it that now? <laughs> anyway, thanks, man. Appreciate uh, it. You're welcome. Thank Peace. You.